Hey, this is the hard truth with Tony Schaefer. Powered by Six Tower, never settle. Uh, I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carried the best. I recommend you carry the best. The best is Six Hour, and uh, you should go out and get as many as you can afford, and they're great weapons. We're on the America Out Loud talk radio network, also available on the America Out Loud podcast network. Check us out, Project Sentinel, projectsentinel.net.com. And uh, we're on Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, and all the other social media sites. Uh, be sure and follow everything we're doing. So today, we are joined by Tim Fury. Tim is one of our distinguished fellows. Uh, he's been with the London Center, uh, worked with Dr. London, works with us on Second Amendment issues. He has been a, a, an actual plaintiff in lawsuits regarding the Second Amendment. He's prevailed very well. Although, Tim, that's not why we're here today. We're, we're here to talk about uh, your job. And uh, uh, Tim is actually uh, one of the lead. I don't know if I can brag about this. I guess I can because it's my show. So he, he, Tim is one of the lead uh, intellects within the uh, conservative world in New York, one of the young Republicans. And I admire the fact that he's uh, been steadfast, been uh, very much committed to the concepts of, of uh, commerce, defending uh, the, the Bill of Rights. And uh, I, I don't know. He, he must have like taken a wrong turn and gotten hit on the head in the, in the subway or something because he just does not give up. So, Tim, welcome to The Hard Truth. And uh, we're looking forward to talking today about a number of commercial issues. Thank you, Tony. You're too kind. I appreciate it. Well, you, you've stuck with us and you were dogged about it. And I appreciate it. So um, tell us a little bit about your job. It basically, you, you do you, you do um, crypto, right? Yeah. So I've been my, my background, uh, at least professionally, has primarily been on the finance side, um, investment banking, capital. Yeah. Market. Um, you know, I've ranged everything from central banking through emerging markets. Um, you know, spent some time on Wall Street, and I fell into the the crypto world, as many would refer to it as digital assets, about five or six mm -hmm. years ago. Um, this was around 2017 yeah. when you know the the markets were quite high, and there was a need for investment professionals to come in and kind of bridge that gap between this crazy unre unregulated tech world and and more of a regulated you know U.S. security based um, law. So I was part of one of the first um, investment banks in the space. Uh, then followed that, um, you know, for a few years working for other other investment banks as CEO or various other positions, and then wound up moving into more of the technological, less regulated side, and ran a you know mining and staking operation, which I just recently exited. So I've been in the space for you know quite a while, seen a lot of the ups and downs. We're currently in um, you know relative down cycle, and this is actually one of the catalysts behind that is some of the subject matter that we're going to discuss today. Right. And, and before we get into that, I, I do want people to understand there's a difference between Bitcoin and digital currency. Right. Can you touch on that just a little bit? Sure. So, um, yeah, th this is this is something I hear all the time. Um, yeah. Bitcoin as a like a, a cryptocurrency, an original um, or a digital currency. And there's a wide expanse that everything in this digital world is a, is a cryptocurrency, and I define it more as digital assets. So Bitcoin itself was designed as, as a currency. It was designed as this, this, um, this instrument of record that people could trade back and forth in the same way that they would money. But the difference being with this is that it was controlled by a mathematical algorithm with regards to the money supply over time, and that was based on network usage. 
instead of some politicians or central banks just printing it off as, as they see fit. A lot of the original founders of the token, of uh, the Bitcoin token, were people from Argentina and elsewhere that spent a very large portion of their day just dealing with these currency issues, right? You can have a, yeah. a pot of gold to go buy bread uh, in the morning and, and in lunch, you, you, you can't even buy a bottle of water. With it. And we don't really see that as hmm. much in the U.S. That's been a big part of it. So Bitcoin was designed for that purpose and has, you know, it, you know, I think really achieved that end. It's something that is now globally known. You can send $10 million worth of Bitcoin from here to Japan in a matter of minutes. Um, but there are also other tokens, right, that are supposed to be um, that provide utility on, ver on, on various up and coming digital networks. So I think of them and then there are thousands of these. I think of these as buying, let's say, a laundry token for a laundromat, right? You're using it for that various purpose. Now, yeah. a lot of these networks are still being developed, uh, so it's not something that you would use in your day-to-day, -day, but the, the end hope is that a lot of these will provide services to the users that really exceed and are cheaper than the, the value provided by the traditional market. Well, one of the features you just mentioned, essentially, this powers down, this gives... I think significant power to the individual to control their own assets. Would that be accurate? An accurate statement? Correct. That's the issue of of custody, right? Which is yeah. kind of a kind of a boring issue within finance, but really critical of really where the assets are held. Now, if you hold oh. dollars in your hand, you know you you have full custody over those those notes. But most of folks' money are in a bank or a brokerage or some other institution. And, um, you know, so they don't necessarily have direct control over it. And I've, right. I've people that have tried to take money out, you know, to just buy their own house and the bank will give them their own money. So these I've are, heard that these are a lot of competency of the bank runs and all kinds of other stuff. With, with the crypto world, you basically get a key that unlocks your crypto. So you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're, let's say your Bitcoin are always on the network. They're always on chain. You just have a key to access them to move them to place to place. So you could right. you literally memorize that number. You could carry your, you know, millions of dollars in tokens around with you anywhere in the world and nobody could take them for you. But part of the problem with that is that there's the responsibility that comes with that and that right. if you lose that key, there's nobody to call to help get that back. So it's it's a trade-off. Well, I've heard where people die and it's like, hey, we don't know how to get into his assets. And it's like, it's pretty much locked away forever as far as I can tell. Is that I mean, that that seems like what I've heard at least, so... I can't, I can't tell you, I've been, uh, you know, in the, for instance, in the back of a, a taxi cab out in Colorado where, where the gentleman said to me, listen, uh, I, got, I got a hard drive that I threw out. I had 50 Bitcoin on it. How do I get oh. that back? And I mean, it's 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 tragic, but, you know, there there has to be a certain height. Wow. 50 Bitcoin, that's that's some real money now. So that's, that's a lot of money. Even, even though we're down market, it's that's something that, especially if you're a taxi driver, yeah. could be real life changing. So two things I, I recognize, uh, and, and obviously you think this is a good idea because you're working in it. So uh, th this is something I think people should look at and um, not be afraid afraid of it, but because that's what we're going to cover in a minute. But I, I do want to hit one other feature that apparently, uh, as you mentioned, this kind of puts the, the the power into the individual. The government doesn't like that. The government and a lot of governments, not just uh, our government. But a lot of governments don't like the fact that, gee, I really don't have any uh, oversight or understanding of transactions. And I think that's a good thing. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, that's one of the things that come up. I mean, the ability, one of the principal powers of the state is to coin its own, uh, coin its mm -hmm. own currency. Mm -hmm. And this does, you know, kind of create a competitive alternative to that. Right. Um, it hasn't become something where with regards to the initial founders belief of 
listen, you're going to go buy your coffee with it, right? It's more of like a digital gold where you kind of buy it, hold on to it, and then, you know, can transaction act in it, um, you know, a lot of money through remittances done through this. So there is a lot of concern over, you know, by governments of, you know, this being a competitive element. Now, I would say that, you know, some of the, the tropes of, you know, this being a, a tool of money launderers or, or criminals and things like that are very overblown. I mean, for instance, like the Bitcoin network, this is all this is all public. If you understand how the chain works and download the, the software, you can see every transaction that's going on on the chain. So if you're doing large amounts of illegal activity, probably Bitcoin is not the way to do that. Um, but even by the scale of that activity. Right. I think HSBC Latin America did more uh, funneling U.S. dollars for drug dealers in one year than all of crypto, uh, illegal crypto related assets combined since, you know, the inception, you know, over a decade ago. Yeah. So that's the thing. I, I think um, there's benefits, there's downsides. One of the things I want to touch upon, just one more thing before we get into the Sam Bankman fried issue and FTX is uh, the Fed, as you point out, likes to have um, its ability to, to basically generate its own currency. And um, I, I still think Wilson's creation of the uh, of the Federal Reserve, I think it was a bad idea. Uh, I, I still don't think that that, uh, that that government being able to kind of indefinitely just write, just print money is a good idea. I think we're going to suffer consequences from that long term, but that's, a, that's probably a show for another day. Um, but they're trying right now to look at doing their own digital currency. What do you think about that? So, yeah, so Tony, that's a, that's a good point. And that's actually very topical right now. There's something called a CBDC, Central yeah. Bank Digital Currency. This isn't even, this isn't um, just being looked at in the U.S., but, but globally. Actually, I think certain global players like Singapore are actually further along with this concept than the U.S. is. But that's the idea that the U.S. will basically issue the Federal Reserve or actually, I mean, there's debate even who would issue it and who's got the authority over how to deal with it. So I think I think this is still around, you know, five years out, because, again, there's so many different agencies that they'd have to even figure out who's doing what before they even decide whether they should do anything. Um, but, you know, that's relatively scary, because if you have yes. this, for, 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 first off, most of the current most of your. Your, your currency out there is in, in digital terms as it is, right? There's, there's right. relatively few actual physical paper notes these days. And so, you know, most of it's digital as it is. And so now if you have this new tool, this new tool can be abused because the government can shut that off, right? So they would know if it's some kind of blockchain-based system, they know where all the notes are. They know who, let's say, the wallets are, whatever terms they come up with for that. Right. And, you know, there's so maybe the current government only has altruistic um, means for it, but you don't know what that looks like 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So until you can tell me who the politicians will be in 30 years from now, I'm generally of the mindset you don't want to give those powers over because then you really can't take them back. And, and we saw this abuse, for instance, let's say in Canada where, you know, the truckers oh, yeah. were, were trying to get, get currency in for their protests and the banks shut them down. Right. And then when the and when the Canadian courts reached out to you know the the crypto companies saying that well we want to shut their we want to shut those wallets down too they politely and very sarcastically replied sorry guys we don't have that power to do that nobody does yeah well that's my concern the three concerns I have first off is China has already implemented what they call a social credit system which uh, because there are no r rights. <laughs> You, you were in a communist state. 
So you basically are a, a resource or asset to the state. Uh, I mean, the theory is it's the other way around. Oh, we're we're a people's republic. It's like, yeah, sure you are. And um, they do use the power of the purse to mitigate and manage behavior. It's a, and that's, I don't, you know, I don't think it's a good idea. Secondly, if you link then digital currency to the assets of an individual, him, that him or her maintaining those, and then having to live day to day, you, if you link that to a, a, a an electric grid, uh, the Green New de- Deal thing they want to do where everybody has EVs, your house doesn't have gas, for goodness sake, you have to have electrical appliances because for some reason, Gas stoves now are the enemy of the people, according to the, to the Biden machine regime. And um, they can basically take and they would have back to back control of your of your currency and your ability to, to live. I think it's a very dangerous thing. And the third thing, obviously, is when you put those things together, you can basically uh, decide what the people will think by the fact you control their power, you control uh, their their money. You then uh, control uh, social media. You basically uh, you you no longer have a democracy. You you have a I don't know what you'd call it, but it would it sounds very dystopian to me. Yeah, I mean, if you think about you know, let's say hardworking people that spend you know a great part of their lives toiling away to save money for their families and their retirement and things like that. And you know, one of the things that creates social revolution is then when you see let's say hyperinflation or other things that basically you know wipe out those accounts. Can you imagine if let's say the government had uh, a means to directly wipe out those accounts through mm-hmm. you know, a, a simple keystroke. So, you know, that's something that that technology is, is certainly available even now. And so rolling that out, I think there needs to be a real look at the consequences because again, you don't know what the government will be down the road and what, exactly. and what they can justify. So, well, that that's why I always refer back to the constitution because I don't think there's anything in the constitution or in the amendments to the Constitution that gives the government any authority to start uh, mucking with digital currency. I, I, you know, while they can make a common currency, the currency, as you point out, is kind of already digital. I mean, I do 95% of my transactions using cards, uh, and I never, I don't, I never hold the money in my hand. It's always, it's virtual. I mean, you know, so I, I think we're already there as much as we want to be. The, the idea of then giving government full control uh, and as you point out, whoever politically is in charge has the power to politically act. And I think that's the danger is that uh, politics would definitely come into play no matter how uh, beneficent or uh, whatever you want to call it. The term would be someone who wants to protect the people. I, I have no doubt there are people out there who want to do the right thing for the American people. I have no doubt that there's others out there who will say they want to do the right thing to American people, but they're they're taking twenty five, twenty uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollar cash payments from China. So just saying. So yeah. so let's get to the the heart of our discussion today, which is um, a gentleman named Sam, Sam Bankman Freed, who is um, the illegitimate son, I might add. I just want to throw that in there because his parents are not married uh, of, of, um, of uh, Mr. Is it Mrs. Freed or no, it's the other way around. Is it, is it Fred Bankman? No, it's, it's Mr. Bankman, who's a professor of law law at uh, Stanford. And then his uh, wife, Freed, Miss, Mrs. Freed, uh, they're, they're both, I guess, brainiacs or professors out on the, on the, on the West Coast. And uh, they, their son, Sam Bankman Freed, 
SBF as he's known, created something called FTX, which is, I think, Futures, Futures F, what's the T stand for? Well, I, don't, I don't know if he actually ever, I think, it, I don't know if it actually was uh, an acronym that stood for anything, but it was FTX. FTX is the topic. So FTX uh, is now in the headlines because apparently they lost a lot of customer money. And you talked about exchanges, about how people want to put their their uh, assets somewhere. Essentially, as I understand it, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, they were that laundromat you're talking about. Basically, you'd go in, you'd buy a bunch of coins, you want to do laundry, you got these coins, you put them into the machine and you do something with them. And at the same time, if, if that machine then is, if you're actually, say, you know, drying your $500 million of, of retirement pay, that's, that you could, you could retain that and keep that as tokens within the exchange. Is that an accurate statement of, of what they, they, they were doing, the exchange? Yeah, so F FTX, which came about around, um, you know, late 2018, was a, 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 an exchange for cryptocurrencies based out of the Bahamas primarily. Right. And it's similar to, let's say, very similar to like a regular retail brokerage, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, um, Fidelity, any of those, right? We can go in there, put in, let's say, fiat, US dollars, and then buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, or any uh, any number of these other tokens. And, right. you know, back in early 2018, um, you know, SBF thought that the, you know, there's obviously a bunch of exchanges out there already, Coinbase, Gemini, um, and various other players, but he, he thought, um, and his public stated that he didn't think that they did it right. And so when he created FTX, um, he was actually very successful in creating a platform that traders and investors really wanted to use. And so he really built up, um, I mean, they say it's like one of the, you know, the fastest uh, growing startups of all time that by, let's say, from, you know, the end of 2018 to 2021, you know, the guy was basically seen as like a, a god within the industry, right? This uh, right. You know, applied to, we're referred to quite openly as like, you know, a golden boy. Um, and, you know, I can say of being being in the industry that he was very much revered and being like, I would say, you know, let's say a Jamie Dimon within banking or an Elon Musk within the automotive industry or, or space. Um, he was that within crypto. And began to use a lot of that money that he had to then expand his advertising. So, you know, Tom Brady and, and some other athletes were brought in to do very expensive ads. He uh, took over the, the Miami Heat um, arena, became the FTX arena. So he really started throwing out money and really trying to attract retail clients in the U.S. Because he did have a U.S. operation that was domiciled here in addition to his much larger Bohemian um, operation, but the problem was a lot of the regulation here was still problematic. And so that then segues into where he started going to the Hill. Um, he testified before Congress, uh, in both the House and the Senate, um, and he gave a massive amount of donations. I think in 2022, he alone, right, we're not talking about anybody else within the organization, the organization itself contributed about, I think, $40 million to various politicians. And so right. I think he was, yeah, he was one of the top donors of the 2020 cycle. So, so let's break that down a little bit. So, but he made his initial money out of Alameda research, which basically is they, he was doing something called arbitrage, arbitrage, where basically he recognized that there were disparities within the digital market and uh, say, for example, uh, cryptocurrency, uh, you could buy tokens on a, say a far eastern market cheaper than u.s market and you could make money by reselling them is that is that an accurate statement of how he kind of jumped into it 
Yeah, so this kind of predates FTX and, and maybe even predates Alameda to uh, to a degree in that, you know, he, just a little bit more of his background, he was, you know, even now, he's the, the, the guy's only 31 years old. Um, yeah. But you know, in, his, in his 20s, even as an intern, he was working, you know, with, you know, highly algorithmic trading um, companies, let's say James Street Capital. And then he, so he was definitely, you know, a math guy or a quant. And then wound up moving into, you know, started getting this altruistic, you know, epiphany of him, right? Where I think he called it effective altruism, where, you know, he wanted to basically make all this money yes. to humanity. <laughs> that is, is, yeah. Um, and, and then he looked at it from the standpoint of, well, to do that, you know, to cure global homelessness or whatever other, you know, causes du jour he had, he needed a lot of money. And he realized right. that um, the crypto was not really was somewhere where there was a lot of um you know it wasn't a very efficient market and this goes into what you're talking about right so right. this is just a right. point to, to, to raise that like he wasn't necessarily a true believer in crypto or the tech right he even himself said he would have traded orange futures if it made as much money so he was right. just a guy a little trader looking to take advantage and he did note as you say that things like let's say in the asian market you had a difference between the what a Bitcoin was trading on Japan versus the U.S. even accounting for the the, the FX difference, and so he just right. did that arbitrage back and forth, and then eventually he started Alameda, which was basically an investment arm, so Alameda right. could go out and buy assets within the space, uh, and then after that he created FTX, which is more of the trading platform. When he realized that a lot of that arbitrage globally started to go away, there was a lot of competition. This is what happens in free markets. And then he needed something else. So that's why he moved to a trading platform to be able to collect the fees off of everybody's trade. So everybody going back and forth is still giving FTX some kind of fee for the transaction. Right. right. So that's the thing. But that's the thing. Alameda is, is intimately linked. Uh, and Carol, is it Carolyn Ellison, the, the wood nymph? Uh, she ran it as a 28-year-old. And nothing against 28-year-olds. My, my son's 28. But I don't think he'd be willing to wanting to do global transactions. And so the issue at, at hand, and this is where the trial is going to start here soon. I think you're going to see a lot of this is that, uh, as you point out, Tim, FTX is the exchange. That is to say, as you've explained it, people use the digital, the, the digital currency to buy, sell, transact, do whatever. And then obviously you could maintain a certain amount of your your well, I guess we would call client funds, your individual funds will be maintained there. The issue, obviously, is that because there was no controls that I know of based on what I've seen between controlling interest between Alameda, which is a trading company, basically they engage in trading, actual trading of, of commodities and the exchange, the digital exchange, because it was basically porous. There was no real control, although they, he says there was. They started using customer money. Is that is that uh, is that accurate yeah so what happened is ftx is what's called um like what's called like a hot wallet right so if you have your tokens on one of these third party yeah. entities it's called a hot wallet if you just have the code in your head if you have it written down in a safe deposit that's a cold wallet right so in a hot wallet you yeah. know it's you know they say in the industry not your keys not your coins you're you're you know relying on that third party to basically have good custodial practices good safe practices so they don't lose the coins they're not they're not um uh stolen by some bad actor or anything like that so what and you know, they don't use them and they can't use they them technically either now, now what they found is one of the 
the guys who was were part of SPF's inner circle by gave by the name of Gary Wong, um, at, allegedly at the instruction of SBF, had put in a line of code into FTX that basically said up to, and it was a ridiculous number, and it actually goes down like the full every digit of this thing. It's almost like somebody sat on the keyboard, but it's like $65 billion of potential customer funds could be loaned to Alameda. And mm. so when the market started going down, there was some other drama and, and stuff that was going down. Yeah. Um, other uh, companies, for instance, finance was looking at, you know, potentially buying uh, FTX or, uh, and, and then the, the gentleman that was uh, the head of uh, finance CZ had made some comments that the company's not valued much. And, and long story short, oh, yeah. the value of FTX and the assets of Alameda started spiraling downwards, which then, you know, triggered this, this credit loan that none of the customers I'm sure knew about that pulled customer money from FTX to Alameda to fill those gaps. And it just eventually wasn't enough, but it just became a spiral out of control. And also, I think FTX had some assets that were a little bit longer dated, so that when you have assets that you know aren't very liquid or or mature at a later date, and all of a sudden you need the cash now, that's basically as good as um, not having the money. And this is what we see in traditional bank runs all the time. But that's what so that's what's going to come down to. And the second part of the show, I want to talk about the regulation issues about how he was able to be, to your point, the sweetheart of Capitol Hill, the Jamie Diamond of crypto, all these other things, which really opened doors for him. And uh, I think that's what is dangerous. And I, to your point, Tim, he said he would trade, you know, orange fruit futures if the money was there. I don't think he was ever in it like you guys are to actually develop the industry and make it something people can re rely on. I think he was uh, a master grifter taught by his parents who were essentially master grifting professors, if you will, uh, who actually, I think, instructed them well how to avoid oversight rather than seek oversight. And I think that's where we're going to we're going to come back. So anyway, that's it. That's uh, end of part one for the hard truth. Uh, we'll be coming back for part two. We'll, we'll continue our conversation with Tim Fury on uh, digital issues, digital court currency, and the saga of Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX. We'll be right back. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. 
Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Hey, this is the Hard Truth Tony Schaefer, part two, powered by Six Hour. Never settle. I didn't. You shouldn't. I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carried the best, the best, the very best is Six Hour. We're on the America Out Loud talk radio network and the podcast network. And check us out, Project Sentinel, projectsentinel.net and .com. And always a shout out to our friend, uh, Cherie Curry, who does our bumper and theme music. Be sure and check her out on chainsawchick.com for her work as a chainsaw artist. Uh, outstanding stuff. Uh, just a, a word to the wise. Don't get around her. If she's got a chainsaw in her hand, she may cut you up. Just saying. So uh, we are back with part two. We're going to continue our conversation with the rest of the team. Uh, we are here with the the uh, unperturbed and unstoppable Elizabeth Breckenkamp and the ever Ed McMahon-like Chris Cordani, except he's sober. The, the sober version of Ed McMahon. So. hey And then we're back. We're back. <laughs> Chris, you're on mute. <laughs> Whatever you said, I hope was funny, but we missed it. <laughs> hey, yo. Hey, yo. I was going to bring a big check to you. That's what happened. That's right. That's right. So, and and we're back again with uh, distinguished fellow Tim Fury of uh, Project Sentinel and the London Center. Uh, so, uh, Tim, we were talking at the at the end of the last segment about kind of where we're at in the movie regarding Sam Bankman-Fried and and, and um, Alameda research and all that. So the trial, as we're taping this, the trial is just a few days out. Uh, it's going to be quite a, an education for a lot of folks because I think there's a fundamental uh, issue at the heart of all this, which is greed. I, I don't think for a minute that Sam Bankman-Fried was uh, altruistic. I think this whole, uh, what did you call it, altruism? Um Called effective altruism. Effective altruism. I think it's baloney. Effective. Oh, yeah. Man. I mean, I think I just don't buy it. Uh, you know, yeah. well, I want to get rich so I can give it away. Really? So in the meantime, you're going to be living in all these uh, penthouses and having, uh, you know, wood nymphs on on bean bags in your office. No, that's not really a benefit. I'll, I'll t- strike that. But it was very clear that these folks weren't living, you know, uh, a monk's existence, Tim. And I, and when you start looking deeper, and this is one of the issues I want to bring up, is that the parents, 
Bankman Freed uh, gave his mom uh, a lot of money for her mind, uh, mind the gap um, super PAC. And, and that you alluded to the fact he was one of the biggest contributors to the 2020 election cycle. His mom apparently advised him how to bypass uh, regulation and oversight of, of those funds. And then his dad was a quote unquote legal advisor. That's always interesting. And they gave him like $10 million, a $10 million. Tim, who doesn't want to have a kid who can give $10 million to old dad, right? I mean, what a great deal, right? Uh, who doesn't want parents like that? I mean, yeah. everybody wants parents like that. Yeah, and a, and a yeah, there was definitely you had to work the system. Perfect. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah there, there was definitely a lot of money sloshing around. A lot of different oh, yeah. people. His parents being included. His parents were also very intimately uh, involved. I mean, both of them are high-end law professors, so they knew a lot of the security laws and things like that. They were very well connected, you know, to folks in the SEC, folks in the federal government. Um, you know, this was definitely an issue of kind of regulatory capture, as they call it. Um, you know, he had access. I mean, there's there's you know, videos of him joking around with Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> giving high fives to Maxine Waters and things like that. Like this. So this was very much, you know, he was he was in the mix that he was trying to change regulation and try to change it in a way that obviously would advantage um, his company, FTX. So there's certainly well, that. And actually, just to note with regards to his parents is that the, one of the latest pieces of news, I think this was last week, is that the trustee that's going that's trying to recoup the roughly $8.7 billion in customer funds that was lost within FTX is now going after the parents to try to claw back the money that was given to them in the same way that they're actually going after, you know, the hundreds of politicians who were given money, not only by SBF directly, but a lot of people that were involved in FTX. And just, just to point out one thing, because we threw out 40 million from him before, but I believe the figure is about one in three members of Congress received donations from so from from FTX in some way, shape, or form. Wow. So to that point, and I'll, before I break it out and let Chris and Elizabeth take a shot at you, <laughs> I just read today that um, he met with Jerome uh, Powell, the chair of the, of the Fed, in February of 2022, just a, about a year and a half ago. Who has that kind of access to go meet with those folks? I mean, it seems to me that's extraordinary. What do you, oh, I mean, is, is, mm -hmm. When's the last time you saw the Fed, by the way, Tim? Did, did you get an appointment this week with him just to walk in and say, hey, I want to have coffee? <laughs> I haven't been there in a while. Um, but, uh, I have them on my speed dial. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, though, I did work there a lot of years from now. So it's a lot of years ago, but that's a bit different. But no, he was, he was again, the golden boy of the industry was well-connected. Um, I think even some of the Hillary Clinton, the, you know, the advisors that were for her that then created mm -hmm. their own asset management firms were well connected with him. I mean, his tentacles kind of went, went everywhere. Um, so it's not surprising to me that he'd have access to all of those people. And I think a lot of the, those higher ups also wanted to get a sense of what was going on in the industry as well. Right. Um, and he seemed like the guy that was, you know, one of these people that could really help educate them. Now, the problem was, and this is something that you guys alluded to is that we you know we talk about the greed aspect of it but i think it's also the big thing that there was you know the accounting standards and and the back office of how this whole multi-billion dollar empire was run was you know you know i'm, I'm being kind of facetious and with this but they were kind of running the whole thing on the back of a napkin i mean hundreds of, tens of hundreds of millions of dollars that were moving basically on you know the equivalent of like text messages going back and forth between people. So yeah. when, they, when the trustees moved in to actually try to unwind this mess, they're like, we've never seen anything like this.
because you did. You had a bunch of kids in Bahama living in a penthouse, running a multi-billion dollar enterprise, and there really weren't a lot of adults there. I have one for you, Tim. Let's go with this one. Uh, you mentioned, and we talked about Sam Bankman-Fried, not the, not the most trustworthy guy in the world. Leads to questions about, well, maybe there's good potential when it comes to investing in cryptocurrencies. However, on the other nose, uh, you remember Gerald Cotton, the CEO of Quadriga, right? Gentleman who died. Uh, he, he died, okay? It's yes. a Canadian exchange. He died in yeah, 2018. The passcodes died uh, for the country for the cryptocurrency died with them how yeah. do you trust these people who are, who are basically doing this not, not all of them are but some of these people are actually like you said running these things on a, a napkin and, and a pencil how do you trust cryptocurrency after all these things happen yeah no that's that's true and that's why this stuff investors or the people that are involved in this have to have to ask these hard questions and then if folks the folks behind it then lie about their answers to that then that's fraud and then people need to be to, to go to jail for that you know fraud is fraud is fraud you know, we talk about the advancements in technology and things like that that, that really compel the human race forward. And that's all well and good, and that's true. But fraud still remains whether we talk about selling horses and carriage or, or advanced cryptocurrencies. Now, the issue that you just mentioned there is, is very true in this particular case. The, you know, the young gentleman that was, you know, in charge of this Canadian uh, exchange just kind of suddenly died. And when they tried to access the wallets that contain these assets, they couldn't do it. And so this is an, an, an issue of bad hygiene. I mean, in the companies that I've worked for, we never lost any tokens or anything. And we had complex procedures. You talk about almost like, you know, what you do with like launching a nuclear weapon. We had various packets of codes <laughs> where I had a set, other people had a set. And when we were, let's say, selling a rather large um, chunk of assets, you know, we, I remember getting together on a Sunday, all right, you read out your code, you read out your code. And and there was this process to make sure that nothing got lost along the way. Now, again, not all experiences are quite that, you know, intricate, but these are things that people need to, to be concerned about. That's that's very that's a very real threat. And again, you, once you're given this responsibility to, let's say, hold on to your own assets, then, you know, that comes with, you know, the downside of is if, if you mess something up, there's nobody to complain to. Yeah. Hmm. Elizabeth, did you have something going on? Yeah. So, I mean, I've... I've read a lot of different things about this and something i read just earlier today is it said can ftx be revived without sam bankman freed and my question is should it be revived i mean is it really helping the average american is it is it helping people who really need to be helped not these politicians you know as you had mentioned before the senators should it be revived i mean is it worth it is it really helping anybody no i think look there's a lot of other exchanges out there um you know you you decentralized ones like Qcoin, decentralized ones like Coinbase or, or Gemini. There's, there's a lot of other competitors in there. I think the FTX brand is forever damaged. I don't think there's any value into it. I imagine that, let's say, certain proprietary uh, software or things that they develop will be sold off to the highest bidder and that money will then go oh, off to, um, to, pay, to pay the creditors. I think so far, the last I checked, I think around $7.3 billion of um, investor assets have been recovered. So, which it actually isn't that bad when you consider, you know, the size of some of these scams. If you're looking at like an estimated 8.7 that was lost, right? But then you got the other the other kind of controversy here that you know is, and this is not just with an FTX, but elsewhere, is that the real winners here wind up being the law firms and the people doing the restructuring. I think the cost of the FTX workout is bank running around 50 million a month. In, in, in these costs. Mm. And there's been criticism of like, they're saying, well, this is going to go into 2024. It's like, well, of course, these guys behind the scenes are 
are well, um, you know, they're incentivized. They're not incentivized to wrap it up early because they're getting paid by the hour. Right. And so I think right. it's and this is this is a broader issue. I don't mean to digress here, but we've seen this all through. Whether it's you know the the scandals relating to Trump or all these other things. I mean, from from Trump to Hunter Biden to everything, where it's like the whole debate is not necessarily the issues of what people did wrong or anymore, but who's paying the lawyers. And I think if we get a, we're in a society where everything's based on how you're paying legal fees. Well, that's going to re- end up in a real problem with regards to equal justice and things like that. That's it's already been it's in existence, but that's not something that I think society will have to deal with. And I think that's coming soon. So on that point, you mentioned hygiene. You know, Elizabeth Holmes, at least when she did her Theranos uh, scheme, she actually looked like <laughs> like uh, Jobs, like Steve Jobs. Correct. Why do people trust Sam Bankman-Fried when he dressed and looked and probably smelled like a homeless person from San Francisco? Oh, yeah. I don't get that. You know, you know, it's funny because in the tech world, unlike like you look, if you're a, 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 a politician or an accountant or like most professional services or things like that, you know, you got to look presentable. You're meeting clients and things like that. In the tech yeah. world, that, that's a different story, right? Because again, if you could sit down there and you can build out a company's website and add all these features, they don't really care if you haven't showered in three weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So in my world too, it's like, I, 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 even when I try, I can never be the most underdressed. It's just not possible. These guys will show up at big corporate headquarters in shorts and like bring their skateboards and stuff. And, yeah. and look, SBF, one fun story about him that, uh, you know, I know personally is that like, he was like, I think the only person to get into like the fancy restaurant Cipriani's uh, in Manhattan downtown and basically show up like he does in all his interviews in like shorts and sneakers. And yet still, they let him so in. So he's like Fetterman. Yeah, yeah, he's like a Fetterman out there. Yeah. Right. yeah but that, that, that's who he was. He just yeah. walked around like the golden boy is the best way to put it. And then again, it's mm-hmm. thinking, we all think about him as, you know, this scoundrel now. But being in the industry during those times, the guy was, you know, seriously considering the the annals of you know elon musk uh you know steve jobs and, and all these guys and so when he came down it was a really hard fall really fast and part of the reason it was so bad is because a lot of people in the industry started seeing that all his you know um cozying up the congress was more for his own exactly advancement than the advancement mm-hmm. of the industry and the technology and so exactly. surprised there right yeah. Happy yeah. To see him go down well, Tim, then are you surprised then that uh, his legal team has put in a request for three suits, uh, suitable underwear? I might add, they actually said that in there. I guess he's not used to that suitable underwear. That's a new thing. He doesn't need a haircut, nothing else. And Jeez. plenty of hot pockets. <laughs> hot pockets. <laughs> and Inca Cola and Doritos. So, by the way, I, I ran the first undercover cyber unit, and, and my, my, my guys who were dressed like Sam Bankman Free, just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, God bless them, Chuck and Sandy, wherever they're at. Uh, they dressed just like like him. Uh, they always mm-hmm. I would go down and look at their their uh, their office, which is really my office, except they were, you know, they had their little area in the back and they always had Inca Cola and Doritos. That was like their uh. that was like their uh, energy. And wow. uh, anything with vegetables was like kryptonite. It's like, no, we don't want that. So well, okay. I, I think I actually played uh, Internet Super Pac-Man with them once, without knowing. or something like that. Even even now, a lot of the guys in the DIA and all these, you know, real, you know, the guys that are really fighting the the literal daily fight of, you know, um, you know, the cyber war that that goes on every day because you know n- national actors are going back and forth 
on a regular oh, basis. Yeah. Right? More than more than the Army, more than the Navy, Space Force is pretty much always in a state of of, of ongoing conflict. Oh, yeah. but, you know, I think a lot of these guys are like showing up to work and they're like walk around the office wearing capes and have models of the Death Star on their desk. I mean, it's yeah. just it's just kind of a different world, uh, and mm-hmm. they can get away with it because a lot of these guys are very talented. And and, and I'm fine with that. I mean, uh, you know, to tend to that tend to that point, it's like I I didn't care how they dressed then. I don't care how they dress now. Uh, and I find it ironic that you know people were so willing to give Sam Bankman-Fried so much leeway as this uh, uh, wonderkin. Uh, I don't know what the right, right term is, but uh, somehow his taking on that mantle of brilliant uh, kind of hacker, whatever, brilliant programmer. I think it was a complete sham. I think he maybe recognized what you're saying. It's like, oh, these guys get away with everything. I'm just going to dress like that because he's not. He said he can't even write code. Yeah, you know, you get, you had a point. The same thing with like Elizabeth Holmes is that there are certain people that you know become those golden children. People want to believe that they're the forefront of everything, and yeah. therefore they're willing to to throw money at them. I'll give you one story with SBF. Um, you know, one of the stories goes back of when he was doing his first. I think it was a two billion dollar round in Sequoia Capital, which is you know an esteemed you know Silicon Valley you know um, early stage capital provider. Those yeah. guys. Uh, I think during one of the meetings there, he was actively playing video games during the meeting. Oh my right? gosh! It's not something I've personally ever seen. Not anything I would do uh, professionally. Oh. But they still turned around and gave him. I think it was around two hundred fourteen million dollars. Wow! So when you're that, oh, you know, and it's funny because you got all these companies that are like really doing things, going out and and pitching. And I imagine a lot of the listeners that are trying to, you know, whether it's trucking companies or accounting firms or whatever it is, trying to build these companies, have real cash flows, doing all these things. And then you go to these, you know, these money providers to expand your business, and they're saying, "Well, you need to do this, that, and the other thing." And then you get these, as as you say, Tony, these wonderkins that are basically just, you know, you're lucky. I'm taking your call. Here's where to send the check. Have a good day. Um, we'll I'll, I'll see you the, during the quarterly reports. Yeah, and it's easy for them. <laughs> so, well, I think it's time for something, Chris. Yes, it's a special time. Tim, you're in for a treat now. This is time for Tony's takes. We'd like your takes, too, on this. Yes. So uh, we're going to do some hot takes with all of you. It'll be a lot of fun. Check this out. As we speak, Katie Hobbs says she's mm. stepping down as Arizona governor. Um, well, mm. Okay. I understand there should be questions as to whether she should have been there in the first place, and I'm not even just talking about the election Yeah. and, and controversy over that. Is she in over her head or not? Maybe she doesn't like the spotlight anymore. What's your take, Tony? I think uh, she's actually Walter White. Her life is actually Walter White. <laughs> oh, so gosh. She, she, is, she is breaking bad. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding. Better call, better call Alton Maddox. <laughs> better, call, better call Johnny Cochran. Get him out of the grave. Jackie Charles. Oh. So, yeah, no, I, it's bad. It's as bad as it gets. Like, yeah, she's got all these relationships with the Sinaloa cartel. And <laughs> I, I, I think last, uh, I don't know this because I, do, I, I haven't uh, researched it, but I, I bet she's got at least two or three heads in her, in her refrigerator of uh, people she's mm-hmm. off, you know, done off. So hmm. she, may have, she may have less ice cream than, than uh, Nancy Pelosi <laughs> or Joe Biden, but that's mm-hmm. okay. That's mm-hmm. uh, mm, tastes like hair tonic. <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, let's, just, let's just hope she's okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hear whether it's a permanent stepping down or just temporarily. And I think actually the the difference there is she's she's giving the I think it's the state treasurer that winds up if I recall how things work over there. Correct, mm-hmm. step in, and so I think the governorship then passes to Republican hands at least 
temporarily. So a little trivia. I hope so. Yeah. Well, anyway, a little a little trivia. She and I got into it. As Chris knows, my my Twitter <laughs> feed is pretty active. She and I got into it one time in a Twitter war over election <laughs> issues. Believe it or not. So. <laughs> Uh, maybe Hochul, maybe Kathy Hochul could take oh. a page out of that book. How about that? I still, that would be nice. I still think, uh, for those watch, if lo listening and watching, uh, just Google Plan 9 from Outer Space. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. And just, uh, you, will, you will see the governor had a, pr a previous life as an actress back in the, in the 50s. So. All right, here you go. Here's another one. Bargain Bob Menendez is, oh, yes. is up on corruption charges again this yeah. time. So. The, uh, the the chairman of the House Democratic Caucus, Representative Aguiar, called for him to resign. Yet Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Senate majority, has been weaseling out of answering any question of the kind. He's What's just a weasel. Yeah. Okay. Okay. yeah. So so before you let's get before I answer that question, Chris, uh, Chuck's. Did you know that uh, Chuck Schumer's na real name was Upchuck Schumer? Did you know that? Yes, yes. He changed it when he was in his teens. I don't know why. I, th I, th I like that name. Anyway, too much bullying. Yeah. Too much bullying. So anyway, uh, back to the uh, to, to 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 the the gold uh, gold gold raker gold, gold. What's his? What was that James Bond movie? Uh, oh yeah, gold gold bar Bob. That's what they gold call gold bar Bob. <clears throat> well, you know when when you've got uh, a wife who is taller than you, I guess one of the ways you compensate for it is by having a lot of gold. I suppose. Mm -hmm. But this is not the first time he was up on such yeah. on the corruption charges. Well, this he's, guy, he's not he's up because he's down. He's short. Let me, let, me, let me just say, my, number one, this is New Jersey. So let's that what we're talking about here, that this is just how things are done in New Jersey. Right. So that's that's the first thing. Not that yeah. New York's that where I hail from is that much different. Um, but, you know, I love one of the, one of the, and, and he's been they've been going after him for ages. This is not new. Right. Um, you know, the gold bar thing. It's just one of these things like it wasn't the gold bar. But anytime any of these guys have like an envelope of cash. Right. It just <laughs> looks bad. So now the, the funny thing is that one of his excuses is that, you know, look, he comes from Cuban ancestry, even though he was not born in Cuba. I think he was he had, had long since emigrated um, to the U.S., um, but his parents were Cuban and says, well, look. This is what you do. You keep money in gold and 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 you know stacks of cash in case the you know the, the the government moves in on you or whatever, which is ironic because number one, he is the government, and yeah. number two, the policies that he has passed his entire career are these big government policies that oh, increase yeah. the, the Castro-like power. So for him to come out and say, "Listen, I gotta have gold bars because the government may move in at any time," it's like, well. I mean, you weren't exactly a libertarian guy going out there pushing uh, individual rights and civil liberties. So, <laughs> That's right. That's right. No, I know. And in the but famous words of Bill Clinton, there's nothing wrong with keeping bars of gold. <laughs> no, no. In, in the famous words of L. J. Cool, cool J. J. Uh, <laughs> like uh, President Biden. That's right. That's right. Oh, so, that's by so the way, funny. a quick tri trivia. So, you know, that's I'm friends so with Louis Gohmert. Louis, one one day, I'm in his office, and he says, Tony. Come here, I want to show you something. It's like, okay. And you know, they have their own little bathroom. And he, he takes me back to the bathroom. I don't go to the bathroom, just saying. And he says, Come look at this. And he shows mm -hmm. me where each member of Congress has their own little uh, safe for a safe for hiding their bribes when they get them in cash. <laughs> oh my god. And I'm not joking. I'm not this is what he said. He told me it's like this is when people get paid off, they can stick their money. <laughs> oh my gosh. In the bathroom. In the bathroom is like, holy cow, wow. <laughs> and he said each 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 member of Congress has their own little bathroom with a safe. There you go. 
So that's in the White House. The, no, he's a member of Congress. I'm sorry. Either yes, way. Now, Joe, Joe Biden that. has a whole swimming pool of money. He just jumps oh, in yeah. and swims he, in it. Yeah, yeah, he does. But like like Scrooge yeah. McDuck or something like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I remember that, yeah. I have, one, I have one more for you, and I wanted all to right. avoid this one, but the gums have been flapping all over the place. with um, Talking right. heads yapping about this. I had to ask you. Uh, the, there's the idea that Michelle Obama is going to swoop in as the Democrats mm-hmm. dump uh, Joe Biden on the dog track. Okay, yeah. they're going to just leave him there. They, they're going to say maybe last minute to bring Michelle Obama in to become the Democrat Party presidential nominee mm-hmm. uh, in 2024. I, I have my thoughts on this, but that doesn't matter. What's your take? <laughs> So, uh, you know, she she would uh, be, it'd, it'd be difficult for her to her to swoop, because I think so much of her person persona is based on uh, being the demure woman. Oh, yes. Oh, she's so demure. That so scowl demure. is so heavenly. So, and my, so and speaking of that, so who looks better in short shorts, Tom Selleck or Michelle Obama? And there's a reason I'm asking this question. I thought it was Fetterman, actually. But okay. no, because because, you know, they live they took and tore down. Uh, the Robin Masters uh, set for Magnum PI in, in Hawaii, oh. and and uh, I don't know if you knew this. This was controversial. I was talking to Bob Hayes, you know my friend Bob Hayes from Airplane. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Bob about this the other day, and uh, they and he lives pretty close to to the, where this happened. Literally, the Obamas came in, bought up that house, and tore it all down, and put up this horrific seawall that cuts off access to, for everybody to the beach. So. Um, you know, that's uh, and these are the same people who don't want a wall on our southern border, right? Well, you, well, that's right. <laughs> and then l- l- remember, Elizabeth, the seas are rising, and yet somehow Obama has two oceanside properties—one in uh, in, uh, in Martha's Vineyard and one yep. in Hawaii. So nothing but hypocrites. Apparently, the water ain't rising that fast. So no. just saying. She, well, maybe that's sniff. how the chef mysteriously died. You know, so, the, the chef. Well, my only other question, Chris, maybe you can answer it. Do uh, do, do candidates have to wear jock straps? Because if, if if she doesn't, I guess she'd be okay. Oh, unless you're Elizabeth Warren, who may actually wind up being the nominee. I mean, there's a very weak field of Democrats. I, I think the idea, I think the idea of Michelle Obama becoming president or, or even being the nominee is a ridiculous notion. It's uh, they they're, don't, they might don't use the word don't don't use the word ridiculous. Don't anything with dick in it. Don't say that. Oh, <laughs> don't. don't. Oh, oh boy, the censors are out Don't say that word. Don't say that word. Don't. It's a weak weak field either way, with or without Biden. It's going to be a lost cause for them this time out, unless unless RFK somehow gets the nomination. That's right. Ridiculous, Chris. Ridiculous. Okay. (laughs) Unsmurfy, if you will. All right. So... Uh, so, um, I think we're about to wrap it up and man, do we need to wrap it up? So, uh, <laughs> this, let's not be ridiculous, right, Chris? <laughs> That's right. No more ridiculousness. <laughs> we're gonna have to use that word next show. It'll be great. So, well, Tim, uh, Tim Fury, thank you so much for providing your expertise and background to help educate our audience on the crypto stuff is complex. And I, you know, uh, mm-hmm. this is something we, I really do appreciate your patience and, and kind of uh, allowing us to ask these questions in a snarky way at times, but I, it's really been good having you on the show. And I, I want you to come back at some point with the other Tim, Tim Wilson, uh, the Tim with the good teeth, who was here with us last week. Uh, by the way, maybe we can have a, a good teeth contest, figure out uh, who has the best teeth. I would lose. Well, for you know, he's British, and I think it's required now. If you're oh. British and you, you want to be a naturalized American citizen, you, you, teeth are a factor. And it's just, yep. I'm just saying, so. 
<laughs> and he, he he passed. And so uh, we'll we'll do another show sometime on the Second Amendment. Elizabeth, thank you for being here today. I thank guess you. speaking of Hawaii, I guess Tanya's off uh, a surfing or something. God knows what she's up to today. I don't so, know. You know. And then uh, Chris, Chris is always working the board and doing a dozen different things. I don't know how he has time to sleep. Maybe he doesn't sleep. So who needs sleep? I was like, it's like sleep. Kramer and uh, Tom Edison. Oh, was it Edison? Yeah. Oh, it was, Albert, it was Einstein. Kramer and Einstein just took some naps. That's yep. right. And That's they, they and, and they're so similar to Kramer right. and Einstein. So, <laughs> well, good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week on on the Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer. And uh, again, we'll uh, we'll be back with the whole crew next week for another. Uh, fact-filled and uh, a snarky episode. So see you then.